Good morning. My name's Neil Davidson. If I've not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, we're glad that you're here today. And if you happen to be our guest today, we are particularly happy you're you're here. You know, I was, I was thinking about it on the way over. Told the first service that, you know, um, you know, it's kind of having visitors with us. It's kind of like having ice cream with pie, right? You know, it's just, you know, it's it's when just the you regulars you're here. It's just great to worship with you and get a chance to hang out with you and that kind of stuff. But but when we have visitors, it's like putting ice cream on top of a good pie. You know, it just makes it all that much better. We're glad you're here, and I hope we get a chance to meet you just a little bit after our service. I'll be hanging around the lobby probably with a cup of coffee in my hand, but we are great, grateful that you're here today. And um, just just a couple things so you make sure everybody gets it clear is what we're doing. Um, This Saturday is Christmas Eve, right? And we're having two services at 4.30 and at 6 if you'd like to join us. There'll be an hour or less. So if you're making plans and say, man, we've got to leave right at 531, you should be out the door by 531, right? Services are usually fairly full, so don't do what you typically do, which is show up 10 minutes after our service start, because it'll be hard to find you a seat with the lights down, all right? So try to get here on time and be in your seat. What time are the services? 430 and? There we go. Also, um, Sunday morning, Christmas falls on a Sunday this year, we're going to do a 9 o'clock service. So those of you who would like to attend a service on Sunday morning, we are having a service. We're only doing our 9 o'clock service. We're not doing a 1030 service. So um, we'll be here at 9 o'clock, and it'll be a simplified service. Uh, there'll be some, a lot of our typical elements. We're going to concentrate on reading the Christmas story in its entirety, along with some other pieces that will fit with it. It'll be, I, I, think, uh, uh, the, I think the simplicity of it will be really powerful. So hopefully if that's a need you're looking for, we'd love you to come out. And that's at 9 o'clock, right? So what time is that at? All right, I don't want to be showing up here at 10, 15. Not that you would ever do that. You're such a sweet group of people, right? <laughs> hey, we're also trying to wrap up our Christmas giving tree. And so if you've brought some stuff to go to, into the bags of homeless, we're doing, trying to do some bags of blessing for the homeless. So what we did, we did sin sacks because that makes it easy for them to carry them and that kind of thing. So if you bought stuff for a guy, all right, that means you bought like, men in speed stick and not secret, right? You know, um, then you grab a black bag, stuff it with the stuff you brought, and you can put it on the pile, our holy pile over there. And then, and then if you bought for a woman, you use a purple bag. See, simple. What, what is this for? There we go. All right, we got it down. And if you happen to bring just a loose collection of stuff and it doesn't really make a whole bag, we, we have some bins you can throw that in, and we're going to try to make as many bags as we can. We're hoping to get those out the door this week. And uh, so actually, the, one of the primary places that they're going to go to this week, uh, go to is uh, the Net of Compassion, and uh, their director, his photo was in the Telegram and Gazette this week. I don't know if you saw that or not, when they were trying to get many of the homeless folks off the streets because of the... Um, the freezing cold weather. And so, um, also, next Sunday, next Sunday, which is Christmas Day, and some of you may not be here, it's also the last Sunday of the year. Many of you like to try to get caught up on your giving, getting in for tax purposes, that kind of stuff. Just to let you know, no, no pressure from my end and that kind of thing, but you, you either, it needs either to be post-dated by the 31st, or it needs to be in the building by the 31st, and I'm not coming down here at 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve to meet you, or it's going to be in the possession of one of our church officers. So if you're planning on giving us a million dollars and you want it to go for this year, all right, you need to get it to us by the 31st. And if you give it to us on the 1st, then we'll give it to you for 2017, all right? But anyways, just so you'll know, 
For those of you who are going to be here on Christmas Eve, and that's going to be your last time with us for that year, we're not going to take an offering, but we will have offering plates out in the lobby, and you can just push those in there, and we'll treat them the same way as we do everything else, So, and get those off and, and use them in a in great kingdom way. So hey, we're continuing our series in entitled Christmas Matters, and I'd love to just pause for a moment and pray, and we'll get into our message. God, thanks for the moments that we have right now. Much of what we're going to talk about today, Father, like many of the things we've already considered in this series are things that we know. But Father, I pray this morning that those who know the story best would be hungering and thirsting to hear it just like the rest. And God, in the midst of all of this, that you would encourage us, you teach us, and you change us. Father, I pray you take my inadequacies right now and just flood through them with the power of your spirit and bring clarity to your word. For I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. So our premise in this series entitled Christmas Matters has been if you don't get Christmas, you really don't get Christ. If you don't understand the fundamental stuff that God's doing in Christmas and how that is absolutely positively unique in terms of anything that's happened in the activity of God and in the world, then you really don't get Christ. You don't really understand who he is, what he's done, what he can do, and what you can matter to him. So we've been working through this in series entitled Christmas Matters. And we've been looking at some of the matters of Christmas and how God put that all together to make it where this event, as it leads into the life of Christ and eventually his death on the cross and his burial and resurrection, that, that all of that matters because it pulls it together and makes it where Christmas really matters. And we've been looking at some various pieces, just a bit of review, just to kind of get your appetites wetted here a little bit if the pie and ice cream analogy wasn't enough for you, just to get the saliva going just a little bit, is, you know, first of all, we looked at the fact that, that, it, that Christmas, the birth of the Son of God and his life among us, is the final and complete revelation that God's going to give us. Now, I'm not saying that on the other side of death, in terms of eternity, we're not going to see and understand and know more, but in terms of our lifetime on this side of the planet, all that God has, going to, has, has to show us, he has shown us in Jesus Christ. There is no more. You know, in, in the times past, he spoke in many ways to many people, etc. but in these days, he has spoken to us in his son. And that's his final and his complete revelation. And if you're looking for answers about God, and you're not looking to Jesus Christ, you're looking in the wrong places. And that's what Christmas means. And that's why Christmas matters. Now, the second truth we looked at, and we stayed in the book of Hebrews over in chapter 9, was the fact that Jesus came, and he plays this, this role of, you know, you have two estranged parties. You have God and you have mankind. And he's the mediator, but he's also the means of the mediation. He is the solution to the irreconcilable differences, and he makes it where they're reconcilable. The book of Hebrews would use this terminology. Jesus is not only the priest who offers the sacrifice, but he's also the sacrifice. And so he had to be fully God and fully man. And we laid it all out. And, and if you're looking for any other way to try to get back to God and you're not going through Jesus Christ, you're never going to get there. Now, the third truth we looked at is that in Christ, God is with us, the Emmanuel. Christina just sang about that. God is with us. 
and we began to unpack those things. And if, and if you sense that you're not living in the presence of God, that, that God doesn't care, that you, this moment in your journey, every moment in your journey, somehow doesn't monitor the gate, you don't get Christmas. Because God is with us in Jesus Christ. What was the last promise that he gave his disciples on the planet? Lo, I'm with you always. It's like, remember that name, Emmanuel? That's really true. And that's happening. And I'm with you, and I'm always going to be with you. And if we're living outside of the, if we think we're living outside of the presence of God, we're, we're nuts because Jesus is with us. Now, today I want to talk about a different topic. And this sermon, if you title it when it goes online, will be Christmas Matters, The Light. Maybe it's fitting that since the Sunday we're breaking in our new LED bars, don't you love that arrow pointing to heaven off of the cross? I think that's pretty cool. Anyways, but um, we're going to talk about light today. You know, Christmas has been connected with light for a long time, right? We put lights in our windows. We put lights in our yard. You guys are probably like me. You you wait to the coldest day after Thanksgiving, and then you put up your outdoor lights, right? You know, and, and we put up Christmas trees with lights, and we just pile more lights on them. And now our lights go from white to color, then they mix, and then they flash, and they run around, and they chase each other, and they make noise. I mean, Christmas has always been connected with light. I remember when I was a kid, our major outdoor decoration, we had a future. We, that was back when they had to use the really big bulbs, the D bulbs, remember? And you had to connect them on your tree. But the big thing we used to do in the front of our house is they, we'd put this big, huge Noel sign up, like four-foot letters. I always thought it should be spelled N-E-A-L, but they kept spelling it N-O-E-L. And they'd put, you know, we'd put this huge red letters in the front of our White House, and then we'd put this big spotlight on it, you know? And, and that was like our major outdoor decoration. I mean, we even do that in the church, right? We got candles that we light, even though this one blew out. That's probably just freaking everybody out. Let me see if I can get it relit, right? So we're just into light at Christmas, right, you know? And all right. They even got to play with fire. All right, there we go. And, but this concept of light is powerful when you think about Christmas. And, and, it, and it's connected with the Christmas story. Maybe some of it's the fact that what the Magi followed, what? A great light in a dark sky. Or the shepherds who were watching over their flocks at night in the dark had the glory of the Lord blaze around them. It was just illuminating around them. But probably the closest connection is in the text we're going to use today, which is in John's Gospel. And I'd love for you to grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 1. If you're using one of our pew Bibles right underneath the chair, you're going to find our text on page 899. 899. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18. I'm going to deal with pretty much all of them. So our candle went out, which means we're probably out of gas. So we'll have to rev that up this week. So to me, I'd rather point it out than you all think, look at the candle, and you're all distracted for the whole time. So, all right. Now, John, John gives us the Christmas story from a different perspective, right? I mean, Matthew and Luke, they give us the hows of Christmas, how God used Mary, how God used Joseph, how... Bethlehem was the place where he was born, how he was wrapped up in clothes and put in a swaddle, how the shepherds got there and how the magi got there. They tell us the hows, right? John, he kind of backs up and goes to the 5,000-foot heavenly level, and he looks at what God is doing in the Christmas story. Now, Mark, he just skips the whole thing, right? I mean, he just starts with the birth, baptism of Jesus and moves forward. But, but John wants to tell us the what. 
of what's evolving in Christmas. And, and, and I really need to read all 18 of these verses in order to bring it up. And I'm going to make a few comments as we go. Then I'm going to back up and try to make some points. And I'm going to try to keep this sermon shorter than the first sermon. So you guys will get out of here on time. And just listen to the Word of God. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The word underneath that in Greek is the word logos. The, the Greek world would have thought about this is the, this is the reason, the, 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 the being of understanding that's at the core of the universe and everything else flows out of it. It's, a, it's, a, it's that essential idea, that essential person being that makes it work. And, and, and John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. Apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So the Word has the same standing as the Father. So there's no difference between God the Father and God the Son. They are the same, right? So it's not like we have God the Father, and then he has a Son who's beneath him. But they're equal. And that's what John's trying to emphasize up front. He says life was in him. This means that the son has the ability to exist in and of himself. He doesn't need anything else to exist. Just like God's always been, God is, and God's always will be, he doesn't need anything else to exist. He just has life. Life is in him. He's self-existent. So is the son. And that life was the light of men. It it is the self-existent son who gives each of us the physical life that we enjoy. The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John, this is a reference to John the Baptist, who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. You see why we're using this passage to talk about light at Christmas? I'm going to get there in just a minute, what my point is. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own. That's a reference to the Jewish people, the promised, the, the covenant people of God, the promise bearers. He says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. So this rebirth that goes with the physical life that we experience in verse 5, this rebirth has to be and is attributable only to the work of God. We have nothing to do with it. The Word became flesh, took up residence among us, dwelt with it, moved in as your next-door neighbor, saw him every day as you're getting the paper. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified him. That's, again, a reference to John the Baptist. And they claimed, this was the one whom I said, the one coming after me, that was Jesus was born later than him, has surpassed me because he has existed before me because he's always been, right? Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For although the law was given through Moses, grace and truth 
through Jesus Christ. And what he's saying here is that God used Moses, and he was the giver of the law, which set the standard of righteousness and showed us how to live it so that we could be right with God. But the whole purpose of this standard of righteousness that was displayed in the law was to show us that we can't keep that. And we need a different way to be connected to God. And that came in Jesus Christ. And when he came and he lived, this grace and truth, this new standard of righteousness, this new way of relating to God, this new covenant was made bearable. (coughs) And it came to pass in Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God. The one who's at the Father's side, he has revealed him. I missed a verse in there as I was coughing. The one and only son, the one who's at the Father's side, he has revealed him. I got water down here. Thank you. Now, here's my point. Why does Christmas matter? What's the big deal? When you're talking about Christmas, you're talking about issues of eternal life and eternal death. Christmas is a story about life and death. Light here stands for having life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light here stands for life. Darkness stands for death. Stands for being out, to to be an outside of the life that God intended for us. Darkness here is a representation of life without God. And, And so here's the imagery that, John's kind of related to the fact that we, we, have, we have life in him. That means we have physical life. <clears throat> but because we're not able in our own darkness to grasp the light, to understand it, to comprehend it, to do it on our own, so it's not an act of our fleshly will, it's not an act of our effort, but it has to be an act of God, that we can't ever achieve the life that actually gives us spiritual life and eternal life. And so we, we have physical life, but in that physical life, we live in the darkness. And the light has shined so that we can have eternal life, the spiritual life that begins now. When you're talking about Christmas, you, you're, what you're really talking about are matters of life and death. I know, it, you know we, we, we get the whole warm and fuzzies and it's nice and all that kind of stuff. The, the reason why Jesus came, the reason why Christmas happens is because there was darkness, and there was no way out of the darkness without the light shining. It's about issues of life and death. That's what Christmas is about. That's why Christmas matters. It's not about, you know, being loving and caring. All that stuff flows with it, but the heart and soul, the reason why this has been revealed to us, the reason why this is... Jesus is the mediation. The reason why Jesus is with us is so that he can take us out of darkness and bring us into the light, that we can go from death to life. Let me back up just a little bit and, and, and work some of these truths for us. You know, you see this concept of the light shines in the darkness in verse 5, or, or is that verse 4? Verse 5, yeah. And yet the darkness does not overcome it. And, and that word overcome it is, is, is actually in the Greek word is the word grasp, Right? 
And so it can be, it can be grasped as and to grab it and to be able to control it and to you know, be able to conquer it, to be able to manipulate it, make it yours. But it also can be the word grasp in the sense of to understand it. Like some of us used to sit in our math classes in high school and say, man, I wish I could just grasp this principle, right? You know, we probably didn't use that word, but we're just not getting it, and we're just longing for that. They can be used in that sense. And so some of your translations, like this one here uses the word overcome it. If you're reading from the New American Standard today, it uses the word comprehend. Both of those words are appropriate for this text. And it says that the light has shined in the darkness, but in and of ourselves, we don't have the ability to be able to grab that on our own. We don't have the ability to be able to understand it. We can't build it out and make it happen, which means that we can't have life on our own. We can't have light on our own. And so here's some points I want you to understand as we think about why Christmas matters. And, and here's, here's the truth. The natural state of anything is darkness. The default mode that this world and our lives would live in without the intervention of God is darkness. What, what, was, what was the first act of creation in Genesis 1? Creation of light. Before God moves, before God acts, there's darkness. Now it's in the physical world. Now you think about it spiritually, before the light dawns, we live in darkness. Darkness is our default mode. If, if we've not consciously made the choice to believe in the light and to step into the light, then we're in darkness. And darkness here is absence from God, and it means that we're dead, spiritually, eternally. We may physically be alive, but spiritually and eternally, we're dead. Now, sometimes we look at it and say, well, you know, boy, there's a lot of people who say they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Jesus, the, you know, the atheists, agnostics, this and that, you don't have any time for that in the church. You know, and, it's, and yet their lives seem to be okay. How is it that they're living in darkness? I mean, they seem to be happier than us, more fulfilled than I am. How how are they living in darkness? You know what? You can learn how to live in the darkness, and the world does. I mean, that's what really Romans 1 and 2 is all about. There was a rejection of the revelation that was coming. There was a choice to live in the darkness, and yet they can make things work. You know, know, there there are fish in the ocean who live below, below the level where light reaches. They live in a place where it's always dark. They, you know, we give them names like flashlight fish and, and viper fish, and I saw this one last night. It was like an angler fish, and it, it looked like a piranha, you know? And they got these big, big... But they have found a way to live and to thrive in absolute darkness. We do the same thing. Just because the world is going okay doesn't mean it's not living in darkness, right? You know, I'm amazed. When we go to Rwanda, you know, out in the rural areas, I mean, these guys, they walk around in the dark, and, and the place is full of potholes and this and that, and they never trip and stumble. 
Somehow they just learned how to adapt to be able to do everything with no light. You know, it gets a little dim, and I'm pulling out my phone and trying to shake it and turn the flashlight on, and because you can do that with my phone, it's pretty cool actually. And and you know, but and we give them flashlights every time, and they're turning them on and off like, wow, that's I don't really need that. You know, I just you know, they just do everything in the dark. You know, it's we we learn how to compensate. But I got to tell you, just because things seem to be going well for people does not mean that they're living they're not living in the darkness that they are not people who are spiritually and eternally dead because the natural state of anything is darkness us included and if we have not been brought into the light by what god did at christmas and what he finalized on the cross and celebrated in the resurrection then we're living in darkness no matter what anything around us might teach us. Here's the second thing we need to understand, that in and of ourselves, you and I don't have any ability to be able to generate light and to move into life. You know, we, we, we can't overcome it. We can't comprehend it. We can't grasp it. It's beyond our ability. It's not the act of verse 13 of the will of the flesh. It's not the will of man. It doesn't mean it's not a matter of how much effort that we put into or how creative we This has to be a work of God. And you and I have no ability to get out of the darkness into the light without the intervention of God. Just like the darkness that was in Genesis 1, it couldn't be dispelled until God turned on. I mean, darkness is just there, right? And, 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 and we don't have the ability. You know, how many of you, you, none of you have a dark switch at home, right? You know, so, hey, you know, would you turn on the dark switch? I mean, we, you know, we, don't, we have light switches, right? I mean, our default mode is darkness, right? And, and, and you and I, we don't have any ability to turn the switch on for light because we, we, you know, we, we can't reach it. It's like a little kid, right? You can't reach it. It's just beyond us. We can't grasp it. And so without the intervention of God, we never get there. When I was in seminary, the church I served was, was as working with college students was right off of the campus of the University of North Texas, School of about 20,000 people, right? You know, Texas does everything big. You know, you can get a community college with one million students or something. I mean, they just do it. But it's like 20,000 students. And, and we had a number of professors that came to the church. And we had a guy, I remember he was an English professor. I can't remember his name. And, you know, I'm getting old. But I, I, and we used to have these conversations back and forth and this and that and that kind of thing. And, you know, he's, I think he was trying to shape the young seminarian, you know, and, he's, and he said, you know, we're trying to reason our way up to God, you know, and, and he said, so we can make the leap of faith as small as possible. And I kept asking him the question, I said, you know, but can you ever get to a place where it doesn't require a leap of faith? And he said, I don't think so. We, we, we can't ever get to a place where we bring the light down to us. There's always a place in which we're, we have to jump into the light that God's given us in Jesus Christ. Here's another truth I want you to see and why Christmas is so important. And Jesus really kind of brings this out a little later in chapter 3 in his dialogue with Nicodemus. But here's a statement. He says, not only do you, you and I live in a place where we are in a default state of darkness, that's our normal state, that we can't do anything to get out of it. We can't somehow build our own light and work our way out of it. But the Scripture tells us that you and I actually prefer darkness. Jesus said, this then is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. You know, I mean, if you say, well, I don't know. I, it, it, you know, our... Our 
tendency, our, what we prefer is darkness. I mean, since I, you know, this is a whole, seems like a whole bunch of spiritual mumbo jumbo and, you know, and, and, no, no kidding. It's, I woke up extra early this morning, you know, and well before my alarm was set, I didn't know what time it was. So I picked up my cell phone, which I use as my alarm clock, and it's right by the side of my bed. And, and I hit the power button to turn the light on so I could see what time it was. And when the light came on, it was the first time I just go, oh, man. Because my eyes weren't used to it, right? I mean, the first thing you do is you turn away from the light. That, that instinct is also true spiritually in every other way. We, we want to flee the light. Jesus said, you know what? The light's come in. It's here. I've come to my own. I'm, I'm ministering and serving to them. But, you know, but men, we, we just prefer the darkness rather than the light. It's not that we're evil or terrible people. You know, they're... they're be great neighbors, we could be great neighbors, all that kind of stuff. It's just that we're just not righteous. And we don't like we don't like anybody to tell us you can't be good enough on your own. Man, I can do this, you know, I gotta do this. We, we, we just prefer darkness over the light. And here, here's how you can tell you're always that here's how you can tell you're in darkness. Flat out, no if you're rejecting Christ as the light, you're in darkness. Look at verse, verse 11. I mean, it just comes right out, really clear, doesn't it? It says, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. The, the very essence of being in the darkness is a rejection of the light, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you're in a position tonight or today where you've rejected Christ, you're, you're not, you say, I, I don't know, but uh, pushing Christ over, then the scripture says you're in darkness. And even though you might have physical life and be able to figure out how to do that well so you can fl- flourish like these fish who have this huge ecosystem below the light level of the ocean, you're still spiritually dead. And you're eternally dead. Because the very essence of darkness is that we reject Christ and his place in our lives. But here's the good news. The true light has come. That's what Christmas is. The true light has brought the true life. Get that again. The true light from verse 5, sorry, verse 9, the true light that has come into the world that is displaying the glory of God in all of his fullness because he's exactly like the Father, was there at the beginning, will always be there, is here. The the true light has brought true life into the world. And to everyone who receives him, he gives a right to become the children of God. That's Christmas, my friends. That's what Christmas is. It's not, you know, it's not hay and a man because of the sheep's baying and all that. Christmas is that the true life has shined, has arrived in the world and is dispelling the darkness so that you and I can have life. And this light gives us new life. It's a spiritual and eternal life. We have physical life, but then we add to it that we are now spiritually alive to God. We have a relationship with God because of what the true life has done. And you go back to this passage in verse 17 where it says, you know, the law came through Moses, 
meaning that he gave us a standard of righteousness that if we weren't in darkness, we'd be able to live up to, and we could go to heaven on our own merits. But because that's not possible, Jesus showed up, and he brought grace and truth. Truth is, is that he's brought all that's right in God's eyes, and he's brought it into the world, and he's lived it out. And then in grace, he's willing to give it to us as a free gift. I used this simple illustration in, my, in, my, in the first service, and is that you know my, my youngest son, who's in his mid-20s now, he's still on our cell phone plan. You know, I mean, he pays his bill, so that's good. He uses more data than us, but he, he pays his bill. You know, he pay, pays his share, that kind of stuff. Well, he broke his phone, right? Right around Thanksgiving, he broke his phone. And so, it's, you know, every time you're trying to swipe it, he's cutting his finger and all that kind of stuff. And, and he still owed a little money on it, right? So he couldn't, wasn't ready for a new one until he paid that bill off. And so, so I said, all right, how about for Christmas, I'll pay off your phone, and you can get a new one. So he got a new one. I paid off his bill, and he got a brand new phone. Now, picture this. We're doing life just like Jesus did life, and we got a broken phone. And there's nothing we can do to fix it, and we don't have a way to pay for it. And Jesus said, well, I'll pay the bill and you get a brand new phone. Except for this phone is actually life that lasts forever. And we get to have a relationship with God now. That, that's what the true light that has come into the world bringing life has done. He has given us a new life in Christ that we get to be his, God's children because the price has been paid and it's been freely given to us. It's a result of grace and truth. Wow. That's some good stuff. Now, one last piece that goes with this Christmas truth of the light is that you have to receive it. You have to receive it. You know, we talked about, what does it really mean to receive it? We talked about this uh, uh, about six weeks ago when we were doing coming out of our forgiveness series and transitioning towards Advent, and we talked about what is it that you really need to do in order to be a Christian. And we looked at John 3.16, and we said there's two things you've got to know, and there's one thing you've got to do. One, two things you've got to know are God's loved you and that God gave his only begotten son because he loves you. And the one thing you've got to do is you've got to believe. Doesn't say you have to come to church 75 times, even when it's snowing out and when you got something better to go, even when you got, you got tickets to the Celtics game or whatever. It doesn't say you have to do that. It doesn't say you have to learn how to pray 10 minutes a day without falling asleep and without your mind wandering. You know, it, does, it doesn't mean, it doesn't say, it doesn't even say that you have to pray one second. It says you have to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to stop trusting in anything else and put all of your life weight. Remember, some of you remember me running around with a stool in my hand, right? You've got to believe. The light comes. We can reject. We can fail to recognize. Or we can receive by belief. You know what I'm voting for, for you and for me? That we receive. And I'm hoping some of you, as you receive, you'll go public with your, 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 uh, your, your new faith in Christ, your new life in Christ uh, in, uh, as we're baptized on January 1st. But, but you've got to receive it. The true light has come, 
It shines in the darkness. Darkness can't stop it, can't overcome it, can't control it. We don't fully understand it. We can't create it on our own. But it shines in the darkness. It's not going to stop shining, but we've got to receive it as God gives it. I always try to have a few so what's for us. I mean, we've been talking about these tremendous truths related to Christmas. Let me just give you a couple of so what's that go with this. So what does this mean to you and I? For those of us who are in the light, like John the Baptist, we got to bear witness to the light. we got to bear witness to the light. No, no being passive, no saying that's somebody else's job. I don't like doing that. I don't like talking to people. I don't like people. You know, none of that. we got to bear witness to the light. You say, I'm not the light, but I can tell you who is the light, and that's something we need to do. Here's the second truth you need to know. In this room, there are only two kinds of people. I mean, we're looking around and saying, we've got male, female, we've got young, old, we've got some that are wealthier than others, and that kind of stuff, healthy, sick, we've got people from different nationalities, that kind of stuff. I've got to tell you, there's only different, two different types of people that are sitting in this room. Those who have received them, and those who haven't. Those who are in the light, those who are in the darkness. Those who are alive for eternity, and those who are spiritually dead. You know, the only two types of people there are in the world. I know that's simplistic, et cetera. All the stuff, we're, conversations we have about things. You know, there's Republican, Democrat, Independent, mad at everybody, like everybody. There's only two types of people in the world. Either you're in the light or you're in the darkness. That's it. And you have the opportunity today to be in the first category of being in the light. God in Christmas invites us to move from darkness into the light as he calls us with the true light of the world. And it's my privilege to extend to you today an invitation to come into the light. Just as Jesus is the light of the world, we too can become the light of the world in him. Receive the gift of life that God gives us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together for just a moment. Do you know which kind of person you are today? Are you alive? Or are you dead? Are you in the light? Or are you trying to thrive in the darkness? Are you a believer? Or have you one who have rejected the light? Be honest. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell the person sitting next to you. Be honest with your own heart and soul today. Are you in the light? Or are you still in the darkness? If you're in the darkness and you feel God's spirit speaking to you, because this has got to be a God thing. This is not something we get to do on our own. But you feel spirit of God inside of you saying it's time to move into the light. I invite you to know that God loves you. I invite you to know that God gave his son for you. And I invite you to believe 
You may not have any idea what, what that's going to mean over a lifetime journey, but in this moment, I'm asking you to believe in Jesus Christ. God, thanks for moving in our world twice as light. You brought the light that creates physical life. And as you came as the true light that brings spiritual, eternal life, we give you thanks today. We say we believe. In Jesus' name, amen.